This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. I didn't know much about him, but he drove a hearse. And inside this hearse was like a lot of guns, you know, like AR-15s and all other kind of shit. And I never held one of those before in my life, and I held it, and I was like, oh, shit. But I'm pro-gun and everything, but I never held anything like that. Yeah, it was just this badass dude, you know, talking about he worked in the foreign military. He was for the Black Lives Matter movement, and, you know, it just seemed interesting, you know. In August 2020, with millions of Americans protesting across the country, activist Zeb Hall invites a guy he's met at one of the demonstrations to his apartment in Denver to talk about plans for the future. The way I look at it is like, shit has to happen, it has to happen. That's like you said. I mean, how extreme do you expect it? Would you want it to go? If you were to tell that to your people, how would you say, say like I'm one of your people, right? How would you say it? Because to me, I'm, I'm fundamentalist. Yeah. I, I'm fundamentalist. Believe me, I, I went to the fucking Kurds and yeah. killed ISIS. So there's nothing you can tell me that would shock me. This guy had shown up on the scene in Denver driving a silver hearse filled with weapons. He claims to have been a soldier for the French Foreign Legion and the Peshmerga, the Kurdish military force in Iraq. He even says he's killed ISIS terrorists on the battlefield. Zeb Hall's been involved in the demonstrations for a couple of months at this point. He's seen peaceful protesters attacked by police. He suffered a head injury. He's growing more and more concerned about black people being attacked and killed by cops. And he thinks that he and others need to learn to defend themselves. So Zeb, sitting in his living room with this guy, asks him, can you teach me how to fight? But uh, the thing is this. My type of training that I do is anything from like, I can teach you how to shoot a gun to, you know. Which is hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, hand-to-hand combat, all the way up to like blowing up fucking buildings and guerrilla warfare tactics and sabotage. Do you want to learn how to just, you know, shoot a gun, cool, throw somebody around, okay, cool. Or do you want to go that way? All the way, up, all the way uptown. Yeah. Do you want to learn to shoot a gun and throw someone around? Or do you want to go all the way uptown? Zeb says he wants to go all the way uptown. Appearing to mean, quote, 
like blowing up fucking buildings and guerrilla warfare tactics and sabotage. We need to know every bit of defense possible. So here's a question then. So when I was in Syria, let me explain the best way I did it. Was when I was in Syria and Iraq, we had a lot of Antifa guys that came over there, and I was one of the instructors of the Red Star Brigade. We were the ones that taught them the guerrilla warfare tactics. We taught them IEDs, all this crazy shit. I have no problem with getting you that type of training, but I have to make sure that that's what you want to do, that you want to learn the creme de la creme, I yeah. guess that's what it is. So if that's what you want to do, then, you know. That's what I want to do, Zeb says. Okay. So switch one, I can make it happen. I'm Trevor Aronson from Western Sound and iHeart Podcasts. This is Alphabet Boys. Episode 2, All the Way Uptown. So who is this guy, this real deal Antifa militant, the guy with the silver hearse and weapons, who's going to take things in Denver to the next level? I spent a lot of time reporting this out, pulling court records and police reports, files from the prison system, talking to people who knew him in the United States and the Middle East, and chasing down every lead I could find. I discovered that his full name is Michael Adam Windecker II, though he goes by Mickey. Born in Colorado, he's in his late 40s, stands 5'7", has a ruddy complexion and a stocky frame. In photos when he was younger, Mickey was slender and toned. In his middle age, he's developed a paunch, but he's still strong with big biceps and wide knuckles that would have little difficulty knocking out a few of your teeth. Mickey's got a history in foreign militaries and in the U.S. criminal justice system. Arrests in Colorado, Nevada, Texas, and Florida. His offenses include firearms charges, menacing with a weapon, and sexual assault. In Mickey's telling of Mickey's story, he's the well-off son of an emotionally negligent mother and a committed father who was a savvy businessman. So my mom... My mom's side of the family, we're kind of like reptiles. Like once you hatch, you're pretty much out of the nest. It's like, good luck, take care, go fuck yourself. I really didn't have a lot of communication or a lot of history with my mom. So we didn't bond very well. Mickey wouldn't sit down for an interview with me. But in investigating him, I found hours of recordings of him. Some are, or have been, on social media. Like this video. My dad owned two businesses. He actually owned a cab company locally here in Colorado, and he actually owned a carnival and a couple other businesses. So we had a shitload of money. My dad was my my superhero because he wasn't perfect, but he did teach me a lot of life skill shit as I was growing up. As a young man, Mickey wanted adventure. And so at 19 years old, he tells of going to France to join the Foreign Legion, the world-famous French military unit that accepts foreign volunteers. This would have been around 1994. And I went to a place called the Citadel. They took me through selection. They took me to Paris to Fort de Nogent through some more selection. And they took me to Aban near Marseille to do my uh, getting into the Foreign Legion. And uh, so long story short, as I'm waiting, you know, you have to go out there on the flight deck. 
a Middle Eastern guy who was also trying to volunteer in the French Foreign Legion, started to harass and disrespect Mickey. Well, at the time I was 19 years old, and I didn't take kindly to being disrespected. So I uh, beat the shit out of the guy, and a couple corporal chefs and a corporal came up there and they grabbed me and they were like, what the fuck? We can't have that here. You can't, can't be attacking people and beating the fuck shit like that. So they got me a train ticket. They paid me while I was there. They stuck me in a train, went back to Paris. And then after that, I came back to the United States. After Mickey returned to the United States, he worked a variety of odd jobs, took some community college courses, and traveled around. And in his telling, he was something of a citizen warrior out there looking to help the good guys. In 2005, he was in Hollywood, Florida, just north of Miami, when he saw a crime in progress. A couple of bad guys had just robbed a pawn shop. I pull up and I'm stopping at a, a light and I see these guys running out with a gun and uh, they they got a bunch of shit in their hands. So like that. And it, there was a lot of people around the area. So I jumped on my vehicle and I tackled the guy with a gun and took him to the ground and the cops are like right there. They grabbed him too and they cuffed him up. This is one part of Mickey's story I was able to verify. It happened pretty much exactly as he described it. I found an article about it in the South Florida Sun Sentinel. It quotes a local police spokesman thanking Mickey for his assistance. About seven years after that incident, Mickey was back in the Denver area. So it was the premiere of Batman. That's when... In 2012, a gunman walked into a movie theater in Aurora, just outside Denver, and opened fire using a semi-automatic rifle. 12 people were killed and 70 were injured. The mass shooting made international news. The violence on the screen erupted in the theater. At first, witnesses thought the gunman was part of the show. He entered the debut of the Batman film Dark Knight Rises looking like the villain, the Joker, with a gas mask, head-to-toe armor, and an eerie calm. And it seems Mickey was there. And actually, I was going to the movie theater, but I was running a little bit behind. And I showed up as the last couple of shots were ringing out. And I proceeded to help people out of the theater and help them get into ambulances and stuff like that. Mickey lived near the movie theater at the time. Several people told me Mickey had shown them pictures and video of him at the theater that evening. A week after the shooting, he also posted on Facebook about his experience describing how he assisted the injured. So yeah, he appears to have been there. Mickey has never had much of a political identity, as far as I can tell. If he has any sort of politics, it's the politics of grievance. Everybody sucks, everybody's out to get him. A brand of political nihilism, almost. So, look, the thing I look at it like this is, I don't, I I come from the 70s. Okay, I'm almost about to be fucking 50, okay? The thing I look at like this is, I have an old biker saying, which is called, fuck the three Ps. The politicians, the press, and the police. It's just the way it is, okay? Press has never fucking helped me. Ain't no fucking politician helped me. And definitely fuck the police, because they don't fucking help me. A few years after the movie theater shooting, with the rise of the Islamic State, or ISIS, in Iraq and Syria, Mickey decides to join the fight. The all-American tough guy heads to the Middle East. Mickey says he flew to Iraq to volunteer as a foreign fighter with the Peshmerga, the Kurdish military force. According to my reporting, he also, around this time, started claiming Kurdish descent. 
In Iraq, Mickey says, the Kurds saved him from an otherwise aimless and meaningless life. Yeah, I've always been the type of person, when I grew up, I was the smallest kid in school. I always got picked on by bullies, so I kind of learned I had to stand up for myself. And I liked the Kurds because the fact was that they were outmanned, outgunned, outtrained, outsupplied, and all this. And they were the underdog. And they were kicking ass, you know? And they were actually, I come to learn later on, really good people, you know? And that was something I could get with, you know? So to me, I, I, I guess the best way I can say it is like, I was given a second chance in life. Mickey, in his telling, was a decorated fighter for the Peshmerga. And he says he trained dozens of American Antifa activists in the Middle East in hand-to-hand combat, weapons, and explosives. In a video I have of Mickey, he pulls out his phone and shows a photo to the camera. Here I am with a captured flag from the Islamic State from when I was in battle. Mickey was such an effective fighter, he claimed, that ISIS issued a bounty on his head. And some of his friends ratted him out to the bad guys. I've had people that I thought were my friends in Colorado leak my information to terrorist groups, um, real terrorist groups. They leaked it to Daesh. That's what we call the Islamic State. Uh, They leaked it to other groups. What type of car I drove, what type of motorcycle I rode, where I hung out, all the shit. And literally leaked my information out there, tried to get a, what we call fatwa, which is known as a death note or a death ransom on me. In Mickey's telling, if there are any ISIS fighters with the courage to try to take him out and collect that bounty, then well, come get some. So yeah, the death, the death shit was out there a lot. It doesn't bother me not. Let me put it this way. I'm very well armed. I'm not going to say how, but I'm very well armed. So if, and I am very well trained, don't confuse my looks and my little bit of chubbiness that I'm not prepared for any type of situation because I have been and it's not correct. I am very well trained and ready for any bullshit. By 2017, with a price on his head, Mickey had returned to Denver and began to tell everyone he met that he was a representative of the Kurdish government. Mickey even claimed to have diplomatic immunity from his work with the Kurds, whom he credited with turning his life around. If you've ever seen a movie when somebody's life is a complete shit show where it's fuck up, and they go and they do something and their life changes and they become a new person, something happens to them, and all of a sudden they're a totally different person. That's kind of like what happened with me with the Kurds. And now, Mickey was back in the United States, inspired, and with a new mission. A mission he was going to put into action in Denver. More after the break. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? 
that's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. After George Floyd's murder in 2020, Mickey started to attend the protests. He offered weapons training to anyone who expressed an interest. And by describing how he fought ISIS terrorists and had diplomatic immunity, he appeared, on first impressions, to be an important and legitimate guy, someone many of the racial justice activists thought they could trust. But not everyone. He's like uh, dressed often in like fatigues or, you know, more black blocks style, seemed to fly a marine flag it seems like but he didn't seem like he was the man that he claimed to be this is brian loma brian is widely known in the denver activist community for live streaming videos of the racial justice protests i do seem to remember that he was armed which you know kind of gave him a sense of having some credibility right he came off as like Maybe being a rook, but like really being like into the movement. And now that I say that out loud, that just kind of throws a red flag up in itself. Brian was live streaming on July 25th, 2020, during a rally for Elijah McClain, the young black man who'd been killed in Colorado the year before George Floyd was murdered in Minnesota. Some hold up signs reading, The People United will end racist police terror. I've been living in Aurora since 1981. This is one of the speakers at the event. And even back then, I remember when you couldn't be black and be walking up and down Sable or Alameda without the funky-ass racist fucking police pulling you over and harassing you. The rhetoric at these rallies would get pretty heated, like that guy's. Foul language, the system is racist, fuck the police, that kind of stuff. Mickey is at this demonstration. And this is right around the time that he first meets Zeb Hall. After this rally, the demonstrators march through the city. Brian Loma is live streaming the whole thing. The demonstrators, numbering in the hundreds, then pour onto Interstate 225, a major highway that creates a partial perimeter road around Denver. They block all the traffic on both sides of the interstate and then start confronting the drivers they had trapped. Some smile and laugh and voice support for the demonstrators. Other drivers aren't as amused, like one Brian Loma confronts. Hey, how you doing today, sir? You okay? There's people in front of you. Would you not drive? Can you get the fuck out of my way? Oh, there's people in front of you. But this demonstration quickly spirals out of control. On the other side of the interstate from where Brian Loma is filming, a blue Jeep Wrangler speeds through the protesters nearly hitting several. Another demonstrator films the incident as it happens. You can hear gunshots ring out. One of the demonstrators appears to have fired on the Jeep as it speeds through the crowd. 
The scene then becomes chaotic. The hundreds of demonstrators then leave the interstate and congregate in the surrounding city streets, choking them off the traffic. At one point, the crowd stops, and a black man with a bullhorn in his hand and an assault rifle slung over his shoulder addresses the protesters. This is scary work. This is what it looks like to organize against racism in the most racist country in the world. As the hundreds of people advance up the street, Brian Loma turns his camera to the front of the parade of demonstrators. Right up front, as if clearing the way for the protesters, is a slowly moving silver hearse. It's Mickey, up front and in charge of the protest. Zeb is there as well. About a half hour later, Zeb walks up to Brian Loma and his camera. Zeb's wearing a white construction-style hard hat, and he has a respirator mask hanging around his neck. He's angry that the Jeep drove dangerously through the crowd, and Zeb suggests that the Jeep's driver should have been stopped earlier, in at gunpoint. There should have been people in the back with rifles to fucking make sure that goddamn car didn't get up there. It's all fuckery at this point. Then Zeb says something else. I believe it is necessary. Armed resistance is necessary. That's where Zeb's mind appears to be when he and Mickey first start talking about guns and training. Armed resistance is necessary. So in August 2020, Zeb invites Mickey to his apartment. He wants to talk about the future, how to inspire more people to participate in the demonstrations, how to get people stirred up, and how to prepare them for possible conflicts with police officers outfitted like stormtroopers. Zeb explains to Mickey that he believes the racial justice protests need to show people that the American economic system is fundamentally unfair to black people and other minorities. And in Zeb's view, the pandemic has made the inequities worse. The whole nation is a powder keg, ready to explode. Denver's brutally cold winter is a few months away. People will spend the months indoors, quarantined by the pandemic and the freezing temperatures. And by the time spring arrives, Zeb predicts that violence will break out all over. That's going to be the turning point. It's cold, it's dark, it's clammy. They're going to be hurting, they're going to be angry. There will be suicides. But when the spring comes, they are angry. It's getting hot. People act the fuck up when it's hot. So when spring comes, then it can happen. And that's when you would step in to make shit pop off them. Mickey encourages Zeb's violence. By then, he says, you'd make shit pop off then, right? But Zeb is weirdly all over the place. Talking about violence, yeah. But unclear on his timeline and seeming to talk in a way that suggests he wants others to do the violence. People are already agitated, they're working, they're depressed. A lot of them are going to be evicted. And over this course of time, we just piss them off more and more and more. And as soon as summer comes, uh, spring, those first few hot weeks, there's going to be so much fury and anger because, look at it, these distractions aren't completely going to come back like sports and concerts and everything. They're not going to be back for another year and a half. Right? That's why we have to get them while they're still mentally awake. Right? Zeb explains to Mickey that he thinks violence is the answer. The only way the system will change is through force. But he believes that he can inspire that violence through speeches and propaganda at public events. I think this propaganda campaign, this 
you know, me giving these speeches will actually have other speakers, but not even just people that are good at speaking. Someone like you just tell the truth, you know, what's going on. And over this course of six to eight months, build up this fury and anger. And if it happens here in little fucking Denmark, it'll go in places. Because over that six to eight months, people are going to be angry and want to burn shit the fuck down. Mickey then pushes Zeb for more specifics. How are things going to get violent? I see your point of view. You know, burn fucking buildings down and kill the rich. I, I understand that. I, I, I feel your point of view. I do. I do. It's just, you know, I don't know how you go about doing that. Zeb doesn't have much of an answer. He talks about propaganda and speeches and inspiring people to get so angry, they'll turn to violence. Then Zeb tells Mickey, I need your help in doing this stuff. I also need to really learn how to fight. I need your help doing this stuff, he says. And I also need to learn how to fight. Mickey then explains that he's the exact man for that job. He says, again, he's trained Antifa fighters in Iraq and Syria. Hand-to-hand combat, weapons, explosives, guerrilla warfare. Zeb then tells Mickey that he also wants to learn how to mentally manipulate people. And that's when Mickey drifts into absurdity. And Zeb, so enamored with Mickey, doesn't even notice. Mind manipulation? Mind manipulation is that's something you can't go to school for. You have to learn it. And it's like a Jedi mind skill. It's like a Jedi mind skill. That's what Mickey says. These aren't the droids you're looking for. And then Mickey goes all Obi-Wan Kenobi on his young Padawan. You have to basically take the subject and make them agree with you, but you have to do it in a way that makes them feel comfortable and not... You want it to be a smooth transition. You don't want it to be rough, because if it's rough, it breaks down and it fails. So you just want to butter them into it. So Mickey not only fought ISIS fighters and trained violent Antifa activists, he also performed Jedi mind tricks? I was actually really good at it when I was in the Kurdish military. I didn't do it towards Kurds. I did it towards terrorist members. I was interrogating and shit like that. But that you can be shown how to do. You just have to, it's something you have to train yourself to do. You know what I mean? Mickey then suggests to Zeb that he could introduce him to his guy, an outlaw biker and former special forces fighter. Let me explain something. He's an old fuck around type of guy. He does not play fucking games. But if you're wanting to learn how to blow shit up, drop people, and build the fucking numbers and do all that shit that you want to do, he's the guy you want to go to. I mean, I can teach you all that shit, absolutely. I got a problem teaching it too. But that would be, he would be your guy. Mickey says his guy is overseas, and he can't train Zeb right away. But Zeb says he doesn't want to wait and would prefer for Mickey to train him. Mickey, though, says there's one issue with training Zeb, and it has to do with his supposed position as a Kurdish diplomat. The thing you gotta understand is that it's like, okay, let me say this officially as a Kurdish delegate. I have weapons, but those weapons I can't use because it turns back to the Kurdish government, you know, ballistic shit. So I can't use that shit. I need to be able to get some weapons that are not mine. You know what I mean? I can't buy them because I'm a complete felon. If Zeb wants weapons training, Mickey tells him, Zeb needs to buy him a gun. And 
I'm making no endorsement of the tortured logic here. But this is basically what Mickey is saying. He has guns, yeah. But they're registered to him as a Kurdish diplomat. And so he can't use them to train Zeb. And he's also a convicted felon, which means he can't buy a gun legally in the United States, even though he has guns. So Zeb would need to buy him a gun. Zeb doesn't commit to anything. Buying guns, training, none of it. At the end of his meeting with Mickey, he returns to where he was at the beginning of the meeting, talking about giving speeches. I need help doing my speeches. I need help doing my speeches, Zeb says. I'm not very good with speech parts. Yeah. Pulling triggers and blowing shit up, I'm good. Yeah. Mickey says he isn't there to give speeches. He's into pulling triggers and blowing shit up. That's what he says. And soon, Zeb learns that Mickey has made other friends among Denver's racial justice activists. And they appear to be more enthusiastic about, to borrow Mickey's words, pulling triggers and blowing shit up. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. He was just hanging out, and it seemed to be kind of by himself. This is Brett Smith. Brett is a military veteran and a member of the Young Democratic Socialists of America, or YDSA. And so one of my uh, colleagues that were there with us went and engaged him and stuff. They had heard about him. They'd seen him around. He's describing seeing Mickey at the demonstrations in Denver for the first time. And so that's when they made kind of the initial contact with him, like kind of on our behalf. And so, yeah, he started hanging out and, and what have you at kind of our, our, I don't know, you could say base camp. It's a friend's apartment and what have you. I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of just how it started out. So the YDSA is the youth branch of the Democratic Socialists of America, the largest socialist organization in the United States. DSA isn't a political party, but instead a member organization. Here's one of their promo videos. The last two years have been rough. We've been hit with crisis after crisis, and everywhere working class people are being pushed out of politics. 
right at the moment that we need to fight like hell. The bosses and billionaires and their politicians and police are sacrificing us during this pandemic. DSA and YDSA groups are particularly active in the racial justice protests during the summer of 2020. They start using the platforms these demonstrations create to promote their socialist political agenda. This is something that happens quickly to all these demonstrations that the news media refer to as Black Lives Matter. While they started as ways to protest police brutality and raise awareness of the deaths of unarmed black men and women at the hands of police, the message splinters as more people and more groups participate. People are showing up with signs for communism, socialism, LGBTQ+, just about any cause aligned with left-wing activism. Trey Quinn, the black nationalist we met earlier, who's one of the organizers of the Denver demonstrations, he refers to these as affinity groups. The affinity groups, in Trey's opinion, are rowdy and destructive, and they're instigating some of the most brutal responses by local police. That's when you started seeing these affinity groups of all these people calling themselves Antifa or some sort of anti-fascist type guy or something like that. That's when you start seeing them surround police stations and throwing rocks in there. That's when you start seeing the cops have to tear gas whole areas of Denver. These demonstrators meant well, in Trey's view, but no one was there to discourage some of their bad ideas. These things all happened because there was nobody there to take a person who's already radical and direct them in a position where they are now being an effective good. Now they're just off the leash. And that's what, that's literally what happened. It got worse. The friends that Mickey made in YDSA are named Honor and Aiden. They're among the most active members at the time. These affinity groups are pushing some of the demonstrations beyond what the police accountability activists had initially desired. An example of this happens in Fort Collins, about an hour north of Denver, on August 8th, 2020 a demonstration for Back the Blue, a pro-police movement created in reaction to Black Lives Matter, had been organized near the local police station. And Mickey, Honor, Aiden, and other members of Denver area affinity groups go to protest against that demonstration. As you might predict, the situation devolves quickly into a brawl, with Back the Blue activists and left-wing protesters falling into dog piles in a grassy ditch as they throw punches and hurl frozen water bottles at each other. One of the pro-police activists says, keep punching each other in the face, but don't shoot anybody. At one point, a back-the-blue activist, his face hidden by an American flag mask, takes a flagpole, old glory wrapped around it, and transforms it into a spear, jamming it into the body of one of the left-wing protesters. The video circulates widely on social media and in right-wing media, as an example of the dangers of Antifa, which is odd, because the left-wing protesters, the so-called Antifa guys, they got their asses kicked. Back in Denver, Zeb Hall hears about what went down in Fort Collins on social media. Then, Mickey gets in touch with him. Well, these protesters got the shit beat out of them, which it was honoring them. You know, they were the ones that got the shit beat out of them. And he, Mickey called me and says, hey, my crew got their ass whipped, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't know much about it. And he says, you know, you're going to do this speech. Why don't you just say something about him? Zeb is supposed to give a speech at a demonstration that evening. Mickey wants him to say something about Fort Collins. And I was like, all right, cool, I'll do it. Because you know, at that time, I didn't know enough about him. So I went there to take a speech with these cats. I looked at the news. Yeah, they got fucked up. After that point, Zeb sees Honor, Aiden, and other YDSA members hanging around Mickey. 
Mickey has somehow turned them into his personal surveillance crew. They were doing surveillance at even some of the events. He made them think like they were little operative soldiers and whatnot. They had these headphones on. They'd show up at events. They'd talk to different leaders and, you know, hey, we're medics. We'll look out for you. You know, who are you? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm pretty sure they exchanged information and gave it back to him. Gave it back to him. As in gave the information back to Mickey. The YDSA activists are Mickey's intelligence unit, collecting information from the other protesters and reporting back to Mickey, who has come to position himself as a leader of the racial justice movement in Denver. He's giving directions and gaining the trust of many of the demonstrators. There's just one problem, and it's a troubling one. The information the YDSA activists collect doesn't stop with Mickey. Mickey is providing that information to someone else. Someone much more powerful. Okay, it is August 28th, 2020 at approximately 4.02 p.m. Uh, Special Agent Scott Dahlstrom with Special Agent uh, Byron Mitchell, uh, CHS for meet with uh, Zebedias Hall. That's in the next episode. This is Trojan Hearse, season one of Alphabet Boys. Alphabet Boys is a production of Western Sound and iHeart Podcasts. The show is reported, written, and hosted by me, Trevor Aronson. For more information about the series, or to drop us a tip, head to our website, alphabetboys.xyz. You can contact me on Twitter and Instagram, at Trevor Aronson. We believe this story is important and could result in changes to FBI oversight and public policy. But to have impact, people need to hear this story. So we need your help. First, tell your friends about the show. Personal recommendations are the best recommendations. Second, spread the word on social media. At alphabetboys.xyz, you'll find FBI undercover recordings and secret documents. You can share stuff the government never wanted public. Third, help us ride the algorithms by leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. That helps other people find us. And thanks so much for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. 
Right Rug Flooring.